All right. Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. And this show is for anyone that has a super strong passion for making people healthier in this world. And along those lines, I have on the show today, Dorothy Yang. So Dorothy is the, uh, she's the head of product strategy and innovation lead. So she is the product strategy and innovation lead for California Medicare at Kaiser Permanente. She's doing some interesting things. She has a lot of passion for health, but I'm not going to steal her thunder. Uh, Dorothy, thank you so much for being on the show and for making time to do this. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, as you know, you know, with these episodes, what's what's really important to us and our listeners is, and just first, and just in general, is taking us back to where it all started uh, and hearing a little bit about your origin story. So I would love for you to tell me a little bit about what led you to become the, the person you are and, and, you know, where you started off and, uh, um, you know, a little bit about your origin story. Sure. Happy to. So a, a bit of background, my family immigrated to the U.S. when I was around nine years old. So had a very traditional immigrant experience where it w- we suffered through some tough economic times as I, as, as I was growing up. And I think that really motivated me to be in a profession where I was, for lack of a better word, helping people. And so I studied engineering in college. I was a chemical engineer. And my goal was always to work in the healthcare sector, utilizing my chemical engineering degree. Mm. And so I started my career at Johnson & Johnson through a leadership development program in various roles, whether it was engineering, manufacturing, or supply chain operations. And, you know, during that time, I had also had some personal encounters with the healthcare system, where I just realized how broken it was. Mm. And so I'll share a couple of stories. So I found my dad to be really, really sick. And only to find it was because he decided to stop taking his medication because it was too expensive. Mm. It was something like $25 per pill per day after insurance. And I think that for me was really the first light bulb moment about, you know, there's something wrong. There's really something wrong with this picture where Mm -hmm. my dad is choosing uh, financial stability over his health. And fast forward a few months later, I myself was unfortunately in a car accident and very frustrated with the delivery system afterwards in terms of getting care and treatment. And I felt that it was very inefficient. And, you know, as someone who's trained as an engineer, these two things about cost reduction and efficiencies, I felt like I was doing similar projects at work and not really understanding why those types of thinking weren't being applied more broadly across healthcare. Mm. And then a few months later, I myself was hospitalized for something completely unrelated to my car accident. And again, was really disappointed by the fact that, you know, I was always advocating for myself, when am I going to leave the hospital? When is the doctor coming? And if I hadn't done that, I probably would have stayed in the hospital even longer. So I thought about what about people who don't speak English or are older and may not be able to advocate for themselves? They're probably costing our healthcare system a lot more money by staying in the hospital because they didn't have that advocacy, you know, as readily available. So all of that, given my engineering training, I love to solve problems. I felt like 
this was a really, healthcare is a really complicated problem. And I wanted to learn more about how we got to this broken system and how I could be a part of the solution. So I went back to school, I got my MBA and MPH at Berkeley, which is also where I went for undergrad. So I'm a big go bears person. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, try to just learn more about parts of healthcare. So Johnson & Johnson was my healthcare, what I would call physical product experience. I worked in pharma, medical device, consumer products. Um, while during school and you know after grad school, I tried, I worked for a digital health startup just to understand what the craze is in the Bay Area since I was here. I worked for a pharma company in their drug pricing group to understand how do drug companies think about pricing to the story of my dad? Um, and do they actually think about what the end patient is experiencing? And then I also worked at Kaiser Permanente where I wanted to learn about the delivery system, how do hospitals run and what are ways that we can think about in terms of improving efficiencies. And then I also worked for a medical device company in their what, what I would call their entrepreneurship or innovation arm, because it was like a startup within a bigger company. Mm. And I went back to Kaiser because I really resonated with the mission of affordability and access. And those are both issues that I have experienced personally. So that's why I'm at Kaiser and I've worked on the provider side of Kaiser. And now I work on the payer side in Medicare. Mm. So I'd like to say that I have a pretty broad knowledge of healthcare, having worked in products, delivery systems, and then now health plan. Wow. Wow. Well, Dorothy, I appreciate your, your breadth of experience uh, from a professional standpoint, but also obviously you're bringing in these personal experiences that you experienced with your, your father, with, with yourself. And yeah, I think, I think most of our listeners would obviously agree that, you know, healthcare is still broken, you know, you right. have a scenario in the world uh, with COVID that is, probably highlighting some, some, uh, some interesting possibilities, but also still highlighting, you know, some, some opportunities for change or a lot of opportunities for change. I, I would love to hear a little bit about, you know, how you're taking your experiences and, um, you know, in the current present world, you know, what is, what, what has your captivation passion right now, whether it's, you know, projects you're working on phenomenon or, or trends or, just to focus in and intrigue, you know, tell me a little bit about the present and uh, what's what's uh, taking up most of your your uh, your brain power these days or your focus these days. Yeah, sure. So one of the things I'm really passionate about in terms of my current project is I lead our supplemental benefit strategy. And for those who may or may not be familiar with the term or Medicare, typically, you know, you have your core medical benefits like your doctor's office or your lab or your x-ray co-pays. But then there's a supplemental benefit category that typically are things like dental, vision, types of services. And what's really exciting is back in 2018, CMS, which is the, which is the regulatory body for Medicare, re- made more flexible guidelines around what could possibly be a supplemental benefit. So now we're able to offer or look at and evaluate things like meal delivery, transportation, you know, different types of services that typically aren't lumped into the health category, but really address some of those social determinants. So I think that's really exciting that we get to work on some of the broader 
factors that really affect one's health from a prevention perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's really exciting for me to be working on this area and thinking through what do you know people need in terms of the benefits that could really help support their health or prevent other health episodes down the line. So Dorothy, so a lot of our listeners don't know about social determinants of health, like what it is, but also this, this new question that's coming up, like you're mentioning with supplemental benefits, you know, what can be covered or maybe might be covered in the future with Medicare, Medicaid, build against, you know, there's these new Z codes out and, and, and obviously you and I are familiar with this world, but maybe you can tell our audience a little bit about social determinants of health and then maybe from like an overall perspective, what are the, the billing and coverage possibilities that, that you're seeing uh, in front of us? Yeah, sure. I'm probably not going to do it entirely justice, but to me, social determinants are really about basic life needs that mm-hmm. could really either improve or endanger one's health. So when you think about things like food, for people who may not have access to either food in general or healthy food, then they are much more at risk for various chronic diseases. Another one would be housing. You know, if you don't have consistent housing, how that one plays obviously um, a lot of puts a lot of stress on people, which then could lead to disease further down the line. Um, But also, you know, with housing comes things like refrigeration, which then is also linked to food. Um, Transportation is another one that, you know, if you're not able to go to the doctor's office for a routine checkup, then you're maybe missing that preventive step that could have determined something that might have been rather mild and not so great earlier on. Um, but without that ride, you may be postponing your visit. And by then your disease or illness may have progressed further. Mm-hmm. So those are just some of the, and also the other one is, you know, income. So I think that plays into a lot of different things in terms of not being able to have, yeah, again, the basic necessities for one's life to be able to then live um, a more well-rounded and healthy life. Mm. And in terms of coverage, so I do want to be careful here, and I'm not a compliance expert. So right. um, I do know that, for example, the rules are always changing. So I would do is what I would do is point everyone to Chapter Four. Um, if you just type Google Chapter Four CMS, you'll see a list of the different possible benefits that could be, you know, implemented by a health plan as well as what are the restrictions. So for example, I know that there's some restrictions around, you know, if you provide a benefit, it's not necessarily, you know, it shouldn't be sustained over a certain amount of time because Mm -hmm. then that's really more of a chronic management program. Right. Those rules are also still continuing to change year on year. So I, I would point people to chapter four to get the latest because again unfortunately I'm not a compliance expert (laughs) to be able to speak to you know what exactly is covered and that changes again from year to year right right no it's super helpful but I think the the overall you know silver lining here is that finally you know to go back to kind of your story about your dad and I had a you know similar situation my dad passed away from heart disease and Hispanic and um, you know, it's a big, you know, fire in the belly moment for, for why I started health hero, but, um, mm. 
Um, everyone's needs are different. I always joke around and say, you know, whether you're Jeff Bezos or, or someone, you know, your neighbor, you know, everyone has a need. Um, but it is a blessing now that that supplemental benefits um, could potentially, you know, cover some things here. And, and it seems to be going forward more than backwards, the ability to cover for things like transportation, for housing, for food, and, and kudos to Kaiser, obviously, for a lot of the tremendous efforts you guys are doing in the community. I think you, you know, um, in this space, you guys are leading the forefront across the country. So that's, that's great to see Dorothy. And um, so thank you for that, that orientation for those that are not familiar with SDOH and, and kind of how the potential economics can work. And we'll definitely, uh, you know, refer people to chapter four of the CMS guidelines. Uh, Dorothy, what else is going on right now with, um, with your focus on health? Like what else has your captivation or, or fascination in health right now? Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more. Sure. So I'm not actively working on this in my role, but I think two other things I'm really excited about. One is more focus on mental health, which I think mm -hmm. is really, really important. And I think maybe now being highlighted because of the COVID situation. Right. I think there's always been stigma around mental health. And I don't know why we really haven't treated it like physical health. You know, we don't get a regular physical or, or sorry we don't get a regular um, counseling session or a mental health checkup the way that we do a physical but I think we need one and I think right. that you know we're in a good time to elevate that to the powers that be that um, you know we really need to focus on mental health because it's all related it's not just about your physical health but it's also about mental health so really excited to see more action in the mental health arena and then along mm -hmm. with that also just this acceleration towards virtual care i think that kaiser permanente we've always had the ability to do video visits and telephone visits which has been great uh, but it's even better to see more people adopting virtual visits because i do think it has allowed us to provide more access let's say to people who are not as close to a medical office or a hospital to seek the care that they need. Mm -hmm. I think there's still, you know, obviously times when you do need to go in in person, but I love that, you know, I had unfortunately a little bit of an eye strain issue and I was able to do a video chat with a physician at Kaiser and she was able to sort of look at my eye uh, through the video just to do a couple of exercises to make sure it was okay. And I think it's really exciting the acceleration that we've had because of COVID. It's been, yeah, in some ways a blessing in disguise amidst all the craziness of the pandemic that there is now more shift towards virtual care. Nice, nice. I'm right there with you. And, and it feels like between these three domains, right, we're talking about SDOH, uh, mental health and, and virtual care, there's, there's a, there's an, it's almost like a Venn diagram. There's almost an yeah. opportunity solution-wise to kind of address all. I know with SDOH, there's um, psychosocial, um, a billing code, right? Or if you break down SDOH, there's housing, there's mental, um, there's behavioral health. And um, how do you think about, I think for virtual care visits, are, are you thinking that there should be some overlap that, you know, when you're doing a virtual care visit, you're un trying to understand that person's needs, solve for those needs potentially, and and um, maybe address or uncover any mental health issues, or is it is there is there still some merit to keep them separate to be uh, some sensitivities to keep them separate, or 
or do you have any philosophy so far on how these three domains should be working together by chance? Yeah, great question. And I'm going to answer as my own person, not necessarily on behalf of Kaiser right. Permanente. Right. Full I, yeah, I am a big believer in holistic care. Yes. Um, however, I understand that our physicians are, you know, overworked and have so many things on their plate so they could mm -hmm. see, you know, whether it's asking SDOH or mental health related questions really outside of their scope. Um, I don't know the answer yet, but I would love to see us move towards a model where we do assess those things in uh, some sort of setting. We, we have to obviously think through what that structure looks like, but I do think that holistic care is really important. And one other thing we haven't had a chance to talk about is, you know, if someone has a certain religion, then I think there's also a part of spiritual care. I'm not saying the physician is in charge of that, but I think if you are treating someone, my ideal would be that, you know, the physician would have some understanding of that person holistically, whether it's their physical, mental, um, spiritual, or, you know, what social determinants, social determinants they might be struggling with. And then maybe, you know, connecting them with the right specialists or people who are designated for those particular areas to then help that particular person. Amen. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right there with you, Dorothy. And that's something, you know, we try and be sensitive to it, you know, at Health Bureau. But uh, the underlying component of it, you know, I've always felt, and this is my disclaimer, right? So this is my personal view is that um, we've always treated things like mind, body, spirit, but it really should be backwards, right? I was listening to a sermon yesterday mm. uh, for my church and, and, um, one of the things that just jumped out at me about anxiety, because anxiety is, you know, is a humongous theme right now. Anxiety, it's stress. People are doing telehealth visits um, because they're unhealthy, but at the underlying element is they, they're anxious and they may be anxious because they lost their job. They may be anxious because they don't know when their next stimulus check is going to come along. And, and the doctor doesn't have those answers, but should, should have some context. But uh, anxiety is a signal to pray, you know, and I, that jumped mm -hmm. out at me. And that's yeah. you know, almost like that might be the component, but not everyone, everyone has different faith beliefs. Some don't have a faith and right. that, that spectrum should be honored. Um, and that sensitivity should be there and, and at a core foundation, right? There's, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you can honor the different diversities and sensitivities that, that people have. And um, yeah, so it's almost like we're talking about four, four domains and it's great to, you know, see on a personal basis, we're aligned. Mm -hmm. um, so Dorothy, yeah, I, I appreciate that. It's refreshing and, and not enough, you know, not enough talk about the spiritual side of things and why, why, you know, that is so important to be able to honor. Um, Dorothy, let me ask you. So, you know, we're talking about these four different domains, you know, if, to break it down, um, you know, SDOH, um, mental, virtual, spiritual, uh, these four major components. How do you, how do you see this all coming together in the future? Um, if you were to maybe start your own, you know, provider group or payer group or, um, or just in general, you know, the way you see the future unfolding, what would you like to see happen in the future or even how these components can be better served up to help us uh, usher us out of this current crisis, this COVID scenario into the future. So uh, just love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I think something about the future that maybe we haven't necessarily, and it's very specific as I was thinking about this. And I know it's not entirely proven, but I, I'm a big advocate for gender equity. 
And, Mm -hmm. you know, I have a two-year-old and I think having gone through, you know, becoming a mother, I see that there's actually something that we haven't necessarily thought about as much in healthcare, which is investing in women. And Mm -hmm. what I mean is not just investing um, in startups that, you know, promote women's health, which I'm really happy to see now a trend to, you know, having more investment in women's health. But I think that it's also how do we think about targeting women? And the reason why I'm not trying to highlight, you know, one gender versus another, but I think having worked in consumer products and then now in other parts of healthcare, what I see is the typically the female or the mom is the main caretaker of the household. Whether right. you agree with that or not, they are the ones who are managing everyone else's health. They're also the ones who are typically making the family's healthcare decisions. So mm-hmm. if there is a way that we can really help protect the health of, you know, the female, whether it's through things like, and this is not, you know, a service, but things like paid leave, um, mm-hmm. thinking through how to have more gender neutral households so that if that woman in the household is healthier, then she can also make better health decisions for the rest of the family. And I think that could go mm-hmm. a really long way. And, and maybe a more concrete example is postpartum care. So I don't mm-hmm. know if people know this, but typically after you give birth, the mom is not does not get a checkup until six weeks after birth, unless there's some you know really serious complication, which mm-hmm. most people hope there isn't. Whereas the baby is getting checkups every two days, every week, which obviously makes sense. But I think, you know, in that postpartum period, there's so much that we could do for the mom. And I didn't realize this until I became a mom. But, you know, I come from a culture where the postpartum period is so, so important. I grew up with my mom telling me the most important thing is to take care of yourself during that postpartum period. But I don't see that in broader you know, mm-hmm. Western cultures. And I think that it actually leads to more chronic disease down the line. Right. And if you think about if a mom is tired, maybe she doesn't have the time to prepare as nutritious of a breakfast for her children. And so mm-hmm. that health trajectory also affects the children. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I would really like to see more in the future in terms of investment in the well-being of women, as well as sort of seeing that gender equity more come into play, not just at work, but also in the home. So I know that's not directly related to any health product or services, but I think that's a general trend that I'm really passionate about and I would love to see because I think it hasn't you know, necessarily been clinically proven yet, but I think there could be a lot of potential if we were to look at healthcare in that way. I love it. I love it. And and I love the concrete example as well. And, you know, I've got a four-year-old and I think about that as well. And I experience, um, I, I can, I not directly relate, but so as a, as a <laughs> you know, uh, relate. And so I appreciate the concrete example. Yeah. And it, you know, it does feel like some of these other components are related to this gender, gender equality or, um, you know, gender sensitivity, um, you know, from a benefit perspective, especially in this remote world too, because now the problem is getting highlighted or ex- exponentially 
you know, growing in itself, you know, so what's going to happen with school that, you know, the child, if it's a new child and you already have an older child, um, Mm -hmm. you know, does that situation get better? Does it get, does it get worse? Um, and, um, no, it's, it's just, you know, super fascinating. So I appreciate the, the example. Um, and so just to play back some of these themes. And uh, so we talked about social determinants of health, the mental health side, uh, virtual care or telehealth, uh, spiritual uh, sensitivity, uh, if, I, if I'm kind of codifying that right. And then gender, right. so five important themes. And some of these are kind of interrelated mm-hmm. and they kind of probably, you, you know, support this case for like a, you know, modern health perspective. Right. But, uh, mm-hmm. but Dorothy, I'm sure we don't have to solve the, the problems of health right on this one podcast, <laughs> but I think most importantly, I'm, I'm just super excited to see your focus, your background, how you cul- how you culminated your background on a personal basis, on a professional basis to really focus and serve others, you know, through your work and through, through what you're doing and your, your purpose. And it sounds like you've, you, you continue to, to grow in your purpose. And so I'm really excited about that and rooting you on Dorothy. Um, let me ask you what, um, what's on, on a personal basis, what is something you do these days to stay healthy? Yeah, great question. I think it's relevant to some of the themes that we talked about. You know, I try to meditate and pray. So I am a person of faith and I, I, I go to church as well. So it's really important to me that I'm centering myself in God and praying on a regular basis. I probably don't do it as much as I would like, but I do try to meditate at least um, for 10 minutes a day. And then because I'm a working mom in light of COVID, I don't have a ton of time to exercise. So I'm really into high intensity interval workouts. So, you know, 10, 20 minutes in the morning, that's how I get started. And usually it puts me at a really good level to be able to tackle the rest of the day. Nice, nice. Dorothy, that's that's great to hear. It sounds a little bit kind of like my mornings, you know. Yeah, pray, meditate, and uh, you would find me under my kitchen table this morning, uh, <laughs> literally doing, uh, trying to get a back workout, <laughs> doing nice. my kitchen table, um, high intensity style. But uh, but no, it's, uh, it's exciting to hear about your faith, and you know, during this during this time, you know, on a personal basis, I God's everything, and following God's everything right now. And so so, yes. amen to hear that. And, um, you know, people, people need hope, people need hope more than ever. But uh, so it's great to hear what you do on a personal basis. And, um, and, and so Dorothy, uh, love to have you back on the show as you work on further things. And as this space continues to grow, it's starting to accelerate even more. So love to hear more about, you know, what, uh, um, you know, your work and and things that you're doing. If our listeners want to get a hold of you, uh, or reach out, say hi. On, a, on directly or through social media, Dorothy, what would be a good way to do so? Yeah, I think the best way to reach out to me would be on LinkedIn. Awesome. Awesome. Well, no, that's this is great. Dorothy, I just want to say thank you so much for, for being on our show, for sharing your story, sharing your, your passions, your focus, and uh, for the impact that you're doing. Uh, it's really important work and, and very well-timed and you know, this is, uh, you know, as, as they say, you know, crisis is a time for, for opportunity to come about and you absolutely front for it. So uh, thank you so much for your, your time. This was great. Thank you, thank you so much.